morning, guys. I hope everyone's doing well. I leaned over to John Kimmer right before I came up and I said, I'm going to go up to John Coronado and tell him that both of I, both you and I felt from God that he's supposed to speak right now. <laughs> and I walked over to him and John looked like he had seen a ghost. <laughs> and it was really fun. So I hope you guys have as much fun as I did today. Anyone else freezing? Just me? Caleb. Caleb is. If you haven't heard yet, guys, maybe you're new. My hands have poor circulation. Can't fix it. God hasn't healed it yet. I've been praying, but still poor circulation, and my hands are freezing right now. And I think Florida's the best state in the world. We were talking about that in the back, and um, Cody was seriously offended, but I was like, I'm sorry, I've been to the majority of the states, and every time I'm in one, you know, I enjoy it, but I'm like, Florida is just amazing. Like, in my eyes, everyone can have their own opinion, but I'm like, Florida is perfect. Like, it just, in my opinion, it's the cleanest state, you know, like, you cross, cross Florida lines, you cannot disagree with this, but it's just like palm trees, you know, the land is perfectly maintained, I'm like, Florida's beautiful, you know? But I just like my home. I think if I lived somewhere else, I'd be feel the same way. So that's just me. I'm just full of love. Anyway, um, my title today is Mountain Mover. Write that down, John. That's a t-shirt right there. Mountain Mover. Yeah. Yeah, it is. What are you talking about? <laughs> Mountain Mover. Um, I'm going to start by reading Proverbs 3, 5. All right? We're going to be talking a little bit about faith today, if you could have guessed that by the title. All right, so this is Proverbs 3, 5. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation, if you guys want to read along. It's only two verses. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. I don't know about you, but sometimes I've wondered which path to take before. It can be a little bit challenging at times, especially when there's a big fork in the road. But to think that if we seek his will in all we do, he will show you which path to take. Trust in the Lord with all your understanding. How many of you would say that trusting sometimes can be difficult because it's hard to actually know what God really wants? Like, anyone in the room kind of feel like that? Yeah? Oh, wow. Participation. Yay. <laughs> now, who would say, like, faith comes so easily for you guys? Like, who would be like, faith is so easy for me? Like, I struggle with a whole bunch, but faith, like, that's one thing I'm pretty good at. Yeah? How many of you, we got two, everyone else was like, that stuff's hard. <laughs> um, sometimes I get um, coined by saying, well, you're just not being practical. Has anyone been hit with that? You're just not being practical. I was thinking about the story, and I believe it's Numbers 11, I could be wrong, whenever the spies go into Canaan to, to look through the land to decide if they should enter into the promised land or not. Yeah, and 12 go in. Right, And the Bible says that they cut off 
grape stalks that two men had to carry. Not too sure what that looked like, but I'd love to see it. Like I just picture these massive grapes. I don't know if it really looked like that. And 10 of them were like, no, we can't live there because there's giants, right? They're like, they're going to kill us. We're not going to live there. And then the angel Caleb was there. Caleb and Joshua, great people. They're like, no, we can do this. Like this land is ours. This is the promised land. We can live there. And it was amazing to watch this conflict where it was like, no, you're not, you're not understanding me. Like there's giants. We're going to die. But yet in Caleb's eyes and Joshua's eyes, they're like, nothing could go wrong. And that's my eyes a lot of the time. I'm like, nothing can ever happen to me. Like, life is perfect. What could possibly go wrong? And to think that because of the 10 people got practical, sometimes being practical is good, but 10 people got practical, and because of that, they had to wander for 40 years. That's harsh, God. Where's the grace? Where's the new, where's the new covenant? That's a hard lesson. 40 years because people got practical. Like I said, people have come up to me before and said, you're just not being practical. And you know, it's funny because it seems like the more you know, the more information you know, it's easier to get practical. You know what I'm saying? You know, kids aren't very practical because what could go wrong, right? But I would say, I think a lot of you guys, because people say this to me, so I'm talking to you guys. I think a lot of you guys know the wrong stuff. Because Jesus knew a whole lot, but it never got in the way of his faith. He knew a whole lot, but it never seemed to get in the way of his faith. So I can know the practical side, and that's good to know, and sometimes we have to move in that sense. But most of the time, it wars with our faith. And the more we know actually fights against what we should really be doing on the inside. So we're going to be talking about mountain moving, even when faith isn't practical, even when it goes against everything you know. All right, so we're going to go to this verse. I know you haven't guessed it, but where Jesus talks about like a seed and a mountain. So I know you couldn't have guessed it, but this is where we're going to go. We're going to go to Matthew 17, 17. If you guys aren't familiar, this is a story where a man brings his demon-possessed child it's also in Mark 9, and they're like, please help my child. The disciples, you know, go back and forth. No, we can't help him. And this is the phrase, help me with my unbelief. I believe, but help me with my unbelief. That verse isn't in the Matthew version, but you guys will get it. And Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people. So Jesus asked, what's going on? And this is his response. You faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? Well, there's the new covenant. Still looking for the grace there, but that's all right. (laughs) How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy and left him. From that moment, the boy was well. So the disciples couldn't do it. They didn't know why. Jesus walked up, did what Jesus always does, rebuked the demon, gave us the focal point, what should and shouldn't happen, And then the disciples come up afterwards, and the disciples ask Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out the demon? Good? This is his response. This is the reason why he couldn't cast out the demon. You ready? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. 
I tell you the truth, it's your faith even as small, I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. You know, it's really funny. This word nothing in the Greek, it means like nothing. So it's essentially the same meaning that we have, but it's just nothing, in case you guys were curious about that. Nothing would be impossible. And then some manuscripts add verse 21, which says, but this can only be cast out through that can only be cast out through prayer and fasting. Through prayer and fasting. If you guys are curious why some versions add, or some manuscripts have verse 21 and some don't, it's kind of because of the whole Dead Sea Scrolls that were found, and they found out, well, actually, the majority of manuscripts don't have this verse. So they took it out. So if you guys read out of the King James, it's always in there because the King James was written in the 1600s before they found all those scrolls. So that's a little bit of a rabbit trail, but there it is. And that's why a lot of, again, I'm, I went down and I might as well finish it. That's why a lot of King James onlyists will say, well, you can't read modern versions because look, they take out verses. So they'll point to a verse if you're talking to a King James onlyist and they'll say, look at this verse. Anyone else have these debates? <laughs> they'll say, look at this verse. Your Bible is wrong because they took it out. Well, actually, verses and chapters weren't even added until the 1500s, but okay, I see where you're going. But what happened was, is we've discovered a wealth of knowledge since the 1600s. So we don't go back to the computers from 1900s and say, these are the best. We know as we discover more, as we have more knowledge, we can say, this is actually more accurate. So what most manuscripts say is the vast majority, over 800, say that actually that verse shouldn't be in there. And so that's where the debate comes from. But it's in Mark 9.29, so there you go. Anyway, if you guys were curious on how that can happen, that's called a rabbit trail. So isn't it interesting that whether you're reading Mark 9.29 or you're reading Matthew, he ends by saying, this can only go out through prayer and fasting, but yet he neither prayed nor fasted. He actually commanded, and he said the problem was your faith. So Jesus, you said the problem was your faith, but then you said I have to pray and fast, and you actually didn't do either one. Hey, Matt. So, so where is it? What's, what's, what's the problem here? Is it actually our faith, or do we have to pray and fast? And I kind of decided, I've realized whenever I fast, mostly because I'm complaining, but I don't seem to really frighten Satan. It's not like I start fasting and Satan's like, oh my gosh, he's not, he's not eating meat. <laughs> Demons flee, for God's sakes. He's not eating meat. Watch out. You know, like that's not what happens. What actually happens is when I fast and pray, I get to know the one that created and who created me. So I come out with a better understanding of who he is and who I am. So what fasting and prayer actually does is it boosts us into a greater place of authority because we know our God and we know who we are. And what Jesus did is he didn't necessarily fast or pray, but he commanded the demon to flee. So he walked into a place of authority, right? But you don't just get authority, you essentially walk into authority through prayer, fasting, time with the Father. So that's kind of what was going on with this story. 
His prayer and fasting will push you into a greater place of authority, but yet he still pointed out faith, and he said, faith is the problem. Has anyone ever been pointed out and said, if your faith was just the size of a mustard seed, and you're like, man, how small is my faith? You know, like those things are pretty small. I had one in a book one time. I'm like, wow, that is small, you know? So my faith has to be smaller than that, right? If the demons aren't fleeing, if the sick aren't being healed, if the dead aren't being raised, my faith must be pretty small. I'm going to argue a point today on how to cultivate yourself into being a mountain mover. And I personally believe that, you know, John 3.16, when it says, whoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life. I believe everyone probably in this room, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe in God, has had a mustard seed faith at one point. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. You can't come to the Father without faith. I think that's Hebrews 11. You can't come to the Father without faith, meaning that if you know God, we've all experienced faith, right? Meaning that we've all had a mustard seed faith at one point. So why aren't the mountains moving? Why aren't the mountains moving? Now, me personally, I do not think it is literal mountains. I mean, we can have this debate later, but if you think that Jesus was literally talking about walking around and just throwing mountains wherever you want, that's fine. I can see how you can come to that conclusion. I personally mean he was illustrating the things in our life that are big and burdensome. And he's saying, if you have faith, you will be able to move those things out of the way. But sometimes they don't move, right? So I'm going to talk about how to cultivate yourself into being a mountain mover. So we're going to go over to Matthew 13 now, verse 3. And again, I'm going to read out of the NLT version. If you guys have your U version or if you're a professional Christian like Christina and you have your hard copy, Let's go ahead and like read through this, because I'm going to read a few verses. I want you guys to be able to see it. It's on the screen, too. You ready? Hope your fingers are quick. Here we go. This is Jesus, just so you know. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on the footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlining rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then his disciples came to him and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to people? Now, my personal opinion, the seed is God's word, right? The farmer is God and the seed is his word. And as he speaks, as he spreads the seed, it falls onto different people's ears. 
Now, we're going to skip a little bit. Verses 11 through 17 is pretty much Jesus saying that everyone's not ready to hear the word. That's why he talks in parables. I had a whole message on that. It's pretty interesting. But we're going to go to verse 18. All right. And this is the explanation to why he talks in parables. He says, now listen to the explanation about the parable with the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell in the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their heart. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Now, this was all context to get to this one verse for today's point. The seed that fell among the, so the thorns represent those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60, and even 100 times that was planted. All right, back to the main verse for today. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and lure for wealth. So like I said, I believe that we have all experienced mustard seed faith at one point in our life. I actually don't believe that the problem in most of our lives is our faith. I think our faith is fine. I think the problem is everything else that actually chokes out our faith. I think when you came to Jesus, it required faith. The Bible says that it takes faith to go to God. So I think you've experienced faith, but I think all too often your seed gets choked out by the thorns in your life. Your seed gets choked out by the thorns in your life. I believe the enemy's goal, the enemy's goal for your life is to steal, kill, and destroy and all that great stuff. But I believe he does that by increasing your cares. I believe one of the enemy's greatest goals in your life is to increase your cares. If he can increase your cares, he plants seeds that compete for the word of God. So God speaks and it makes a seed. And the enemy does all he can to make sure that he's also planting seeds in your garden that are competing for the soil. I went um, just the other day and I was dropping off some pallets of block at a customer's house and I do landscape and stuff like that. And I was driving down the road and on the same road there's two or three houses I had done projects at before. And it kills me when I do a project. I tell them, I'm like, listen, this will only hold the weeds back for so long. Please like, pay someone to do your weeds or spray them yourselves. And I go back like a year later and it's like infested with weeds. And I'm like, I did all this work. You spent how much money and you let it like look like that? Like, I don't know about you, but that tears me up. Like, I don't walk outside my front door. I finally got Allie. I saw her the other day. She bent down and pulled a weed. I was like, thank you, baby. I'm so proud of you. Like, I tried to make sure everyone knows. You pull weeds, like, out of your gardens, guys, out of your landscaping. Do not let that happen. John, yes, I'm looking at you. You've got to fix that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, a lot of times in life, 
we, cre we create this great place, and God speaks and we make a seed. God calls us to be a pastor or whatever it might look like in your life. This is my life. God calls us to be a pastor, but the thing that holds us back isn't that God's word wasn't powerful enough, isn't that we weren't called, it's that the enemy plants everything he can around that seed to make sure that the cares and worries of this life will choke it out. The only limiting factor to God's word, are you ready, is not his word. It's limitless. It's the condition of the soil. The only limiting factor to his word is the condition of your soil. And a lot of times we have so much other junk, the worries, cares of this life, and the lore of wealth that it chokes out anything that God's actually going to do in our life. God's, the enemy's going to do all he can to increase busyness. How many of you guys know that busyness is like the artificial significance in your life? Like a lot of us only feel significant. We only feel like we're really doing stuff that matters when we're busy. You know, COVID hit and it was like the greatest depression peak of all time in society because all of a sudden people were put in their homes by themselves and they're like, wow, I don't like who this is. So we do all we can to get busy, to get active, to fill up our time, to make sure that the thorns actually choke out anything that God's trying to do, but we can stay happy with who we are. I believe the enemy's greatest desire in your life is to increase your cares and then raise your busyness because he knows that you'll never do anything for the kingdom as long as you're busy. You'll never care for the sick. <laughs> You'll never go to minister to people, feed the homeless, feed the hungry, whatever it might be. You're never going to do any of it as long as you're busy. He doesn't have to get you to be an atheist if you're already a Christian. He doesn't care about that. He just wants you busy. A lot of our gardens are not cultivated. Our minds aren't cultivated because we take on so much stuff. We take on so much stuff. Allie's been reading this book called Boundaries, and if any of you guys have trouble saying no, that is a great book to read because God wants you to say no a lot more than you guys realize. We say yes, yes, yes to everything, and then when God finally speaks, when he finally throws the seed out, our soil is infested with weeds, and nothing can actually grow. You guys ever picked peanuts before? No, I can get you picking peanuts if you want. $10 a five-gallon bucket if you guys are interested. Anyway, the thing about picking peanuts is you really have to keep the weeds and the grass out because once the weeds and the grass get going, like you cannot tell the difference between the peanuts and the grass. Like They just grow up so much that they get so entangled, and then harvesting them is awful. Guess who had to harvest people's crops that did not cultivate them properly? That would be me. Yes, it is not fun. A lot of times, if we took a seat, if we actually looked at our garden, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the weed and the plant. And that's why there's a lot of confusion in the church today. Our weeds and our plants are growing in the same garden, and we look at people and we go, that's pride when really it's humility. 
We go, that's humility, when really it's pride because our, gar our plants and our weeds are so mixed in we can't even distinguish them anymore. We have to learn how to cultivate what's going on inside because I don't think the mustard seed faith is the problem. I think it's all the cares and worries for this life that are actually choking it out. I think it's the lure for wealth. Really, if most of us sat down and looked at our lives and we said, what is most important? Most of us spend most of our time thinking and doing work. It's the lure for wealth. I have a couple different seeds that I feel like a lot of times get misplaced in our garden, okay? One I mentioned, um, I believe the seed of confidence sometimes gets planted, right? But this is the interesting thing about gardens is when you water the plant, when you water the seed, you know what also you, you tend to water at the same time? The weeds, yeah, it's, it's horrible. I'm still looking for like a watering system that I can invent to where it only waters the plant. You know, like the worst customers are the ones that water every day, and I'm like, how am I going to keep these weeds out? Like, please stop watering. You know, like it makes it so difficult. But the thing is, when a seed of confidence gets planted, the same water that waters your confidence also waters your pride. Same water. It waters both of them. And what most of us do is we go, I know that's bad, so I'm going to pull it up. And we've allowed it to go so long that the peanut crop and the grass, they've grown together and they look the same. So instead of pulling out the pride, we pull out the confidence too. And we spend our lives in church wondering, you know, what's confidence, what's pride, and we just go ahead and pull out both of them and we sit down insecure. We go, this is what God wants. God doesn't want me prideful, so this is what God wants. When really, we actually pulled his seed out. We pulled out his word of confidence because we weren't cultivating the soil and pride got in and we couldn't distinguish the two. Another one is the seed of stewardship, right? We want to be a good steward. We want to know when to save. We want to know when to store. But sometimes the water that waters that also waters greed. And we go, I'm just being a good steward. This is what God has called me to do. And at the same time, we keep watering that. We're watering the, the seed of greed too. And those thorns grow out and they end up choking it. We have to learn to distinguish the two. We have to cultivate our soil. Another one is patience. If you guys have been in the church very long, it's so annoying. People always go, don't pray for patience. <laughs> I don't know why people say that, but they're not. Anyway, <laughs> don't pray for patience. But the seed that God plants for you to be patient it's important, right? But a lot of times we start watering that and before you know it, complacency grows up right along with it. And one day it will get pointed out and we'll go, no, I'm not complacent, I'm patient. And the seed and the weed, they grew up together and they wrapped around each other and now you can no longer distinguish the two. If you pull up one of them, you pull up both of them. 
We have to cultivate our soil enough to where we can make sure that we grow confidence, we can grow humility, and pride doesn't get in the mix, and greed doesn't get in the mix. We have to get to a place where we can grow faith, to where we can allow that seed to sprout, to where the facts don't get in the way. We go, you know what? Yeah, I know without God, that might not be the right decision, but I believe God's leading me towards that. You know how to make a godly decision? The Bible says that the kingdom of God is built on righteousness, peace, and joy. All right? Now, according to the Bible, if you believe in Jesus, you are in right standing with the Father, meaning Jesus became your sacrifice. He is in, you are in right standing, meaning that you are righteous, not because of yourself, but because of what he did. So you can't do anything to get righteousness, but when you can chase is peace and joy. So anytime you're trying to make a decision, you're praying, God, what do you want? Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart so you can actually trust what you want to do. If a decision doesn't bring you peace and joy, and not just because you're scared or you're not, you know, I'm talking two decisions, you don't know which one to take. A lot of times you can trust peace and joy because it's the kingdom of God. We've got to learn to follow our spirit man too. We've got to learn to follow peace and joy and not let the cares and worries of this life choke everything else out. So I don't think our problem with moving mountains has been our faith per se. I just think everything else has been choking it out for a long time. And I don't know about you, but I want to cultivate my garden to be a place where peace grows, to where faith grows, to where joy grows, and nothing else gets in the way. I want to be a person, I want to be a place where every time that seed that thorn starts to grow, I get down there and I pull it out. I want to be someone that teaches other people to get down there and pull it out. Just like I drill Allie every single time we walk out of that house. While you're going to your car, just check for weeds. It only takes a second. I tell her, if you pull them one at a time, it only takes a minute. It's painless, it's not that bad. The problem is, is when some of you are like John Kimmer and you let your garden get a mess. Look at this, when you let it get like that, you've gotta get down on your hands and knees. You gotta get people to help you. You gotta get your gloves on and you have to get dirty. And you have to pull things out that have been rooted for years and they don't come out easy. I walked over this one lady one time and she goes, she was a new client. She goes, hey, can you just pull this weed for me since you started? And I was like, well, I'm going to charge you for that. But I was like, all right. And um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. And I, I walked over there and I'm, I'm not kidding, guys. This weed was about this big around. It was a weed. And normally, you know, you just grab them with your fingers and pull them out. I see this weed all the time. And I walked over there and I grabbed it like this and I was pulling it as hard as I could. I almost got a hernia. And, and I told her, I literally went and got my saw and just cut it off. I was like, I don't know how long that weed has been there, but I can't pull it out. And as I was sitting there pulling this, I was thinking, man, this is how some people are. This is how pride is in some people's lives. It's been there for so long. 
it's been there for years that it's rooted down so deep that you're gonna need some help to yank that out. It's how shame has been for some of us in our lives. It's been there for so long, it's in there deep. And you know what? We might not be able to pull it out on ourselves. We might need our wife or our husband or our good friend to go, hey, if you notice pride, I've been trying to pull it out on me. If you notice it, can you let me know? Hey, I'm trying to be a good steward, but I don't want to lean into greed. Can you let me know if I say anything or do anything that, that leans into that greed? Because I want to cultivate a good garden, but I also want to be giving. So I want us to take some time and let's just ask God, what's going on in our garden? What's going on in our heart? Because I wanna cultivate soil that doesn't limit your seed. I wanna cultivate soil that doesn't limit what you speak, God, what you wanna do. I especially don't wanna have a life that's so consumed with the cares of this world that's consumed with busyness. I wanna be able to set aside days to rest because God's more important than what's going on in my life, more important than my business or maybe whatever it might be, I'm gonna set aside time to rest. I'm gonna cultivate my soil. All right, so let's pray for a minute and just ask God, what's going on in my soil? Is there anything I need to pull out? I wrote this down last night. I said, I'm choosing not to overextend myself. I don't want to take responsibility for something that he didn't call me to be responsible for because I know that those very things will fight for the same nutrients as the things that God planted in me. A lot of us are aware that the enemy's coming to destroy us, but a lot of times we don't realize that he's doing it with cares, worries, and busyness. Don't let the enemy fill up your schedule so much that it chokes out God's anointing, calling, and will for your life. 